Hello everyone and welcome to the C Live podcast. My name is Sam and as always I've got my trusted friend and podcast sidekick Chris Farns. We've had a busy one, haven't we, mate? We've we've had a lot of uh, conversations today, haven't we? There's lots and lots of conversations happened today. Today was the first day since lockdown began when we were together in March where I felt there's just a lot of progress. Yeah, I mean, well, for those that I don't know, we have regular meetings with Liverpool Council and the LinkedIn meetings that we uh, join uh, on a regular basis, on, on a monthly basis. And uh, it was one of those meetings today and we were speaking to all different types of businesses from startups to um, restaurants, hotels, you name it, they were there. So it was, it was great to see everyone. And obviously COVID's hit everyone you know, dramatically, including ourselves. Um, so I'm going to shamelessly plug the social medias. So this is what I'm going to say. Make sure that you follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So on Facebook, we are at CLive. On Twitter, we are CLive Enter One. And on Instagram, we are CLive UK. And again, like I said, it's so important that you follow these uh, social medias because it gets, well, you, uh, the audience, uh, to see these great acts that we've got. I mean, Chris, we've got a little secret project that we're working on. Yes, yes, there is there is a project, and we can't say too much about it because we're gonna be um, pushing it a little bit further over the next few weeks. But yeah, there's there's a couple of significant dates coming up towards the end of the year that we're gonna be able to do a couple of live things. Can we kind of say that, Sam? Yeah, a live, we can, we can live, 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 a few live things. Uh, um, maybe pre-recorded stuff um, so but, yeah go on it's going to be fun it's going to be exciting but hopefully by the 1st of october we'll know if some of you can actually physically see it live and um, that's the date that we've been kind of told today that things might get reviewed for a bit of live performance so watch out everybody yeah indeed, watch <laughs> out but on to our guest uh, for this evening uh, we've got singer-songwriter from Walton, Liverpool. He's a local <laughs> lad. Let's get him on. This is Scott Beckett. How you doing, mate? Hey! Hi, guys. You all right? Yeah, we're good. We're good. <laughs> well, to be honest, we're knackered. <laughs> Absolutely knackered. Yeah. Uh, how's your day been? What have you been up to today? Not much. You know, I'm going to Belfast tomorrow with uh, a few of my mates. So, just been printing off boarding passes and um, just getting stuff ready for that. Is there is there a lot? To do, I know uh, Rachel's mum and dad are going away to Italy. Uh, they've been having to fill out forms. Is it the same for Belfast, or are we still kind of on the same uh, terms? You just, you know, just fly out there. No, it was usual really, because it's Belfast. I didn't even have to uh, put in any passport info. It was just two minutes it took to make a uh, book. So. Nothing there at the it, moment. It's crazy to think about. Like I know we're part of the, the British Isles, but even so, like having to, you know, you still having to get a plane over there. Like the people from over there yeah. aren't necessarily like in the same bubble, if it were. But uh, Belfast, are you gonna perform in Belfast, or are you just going for anything, anything in particular? No, it's just a um, few of us lads. Um, we've got a mate in Derry, which is about two hours from Belfast, so. We see each other a couple of times a year, so we're both we're all meeting up in uh, Belfast just to uh, relax. Have a drink, you mean? Hey! <laughs> yeah. Have some Guinness. Yeah. I don't get. Are you into your Guinness, Chris? Uh, well, I used to be. Um, I used to drink it quite regularly, but I don't drink as much these days. No, I've noticed you. You like your, your little. Uh diluted juice don't you of, a, of, a, of an evening i am drinking uh rum and cokes these days oh. i have ice rum and cokes yeah um I've, I've found it's took me a while but i found my favorite one and it's called red leg so have a go of it spice rum and diet coke and that's it but i don't really drink uh lagers or, or beers or, or as much these days i'm trying to look after myself in the old age now yeah got to <laughs> Got to, you know, turning 50 soon, aren't you, mate? Where? You know what? <laughs> uh, it's good job I'm not seeing you now tomorrow. We were going to see each other for the first time tomorrow, but we've 
we're going to reschedule it for a busy meeting day next week. So um, we'll save it for them. And we might have a Guinness. Should we have a Guinness then next week? Yeah, I think so. I think that's what we need, isn't it? We need to uh, go for a Guinness and enjoy ourselves. But, uh, Scott, tell us a little bit about when you were growing up as a kid and the sort of music that you're listening to. Obviously, you you don't go to school and be a, a musician. You know, it, it, it you, uh, sort of the music that you listen to as a child. Did it inspire you to be a musician? Yeah, I think I was about 13 when I started paying attention to music because you know i just start listening to like a bit of oasis and um you know paul simon and stuff like that and then it just grew and grew and then i got into john mayer a lot and he kind of pushed me to be a better guitar player and um and then i just started writing and then i just started singing and it's like a, a a cycle really and then i didn't feel ready to um gig until i was about 22 i just didn't no feel comfortable doing yeah. it, um, you know, nerves and stuff. But as soon as I started, I, I, my nerves totally went and I, I haven't looked back, to be honest. It's, it's a big thing to get on a stage. And, and a lot of people don't realise that. Some people get a little glimpse of it, of what it's like, and then they don't do it for another year. Mm. Uh, yeah. And then if you regularly do it, it's, it's a very, very exciting buzz, even weekly. Um, but we we we've all missed it. You did it. You did a gig the other week, didn't you? Was that your first gig back out? Yeah, my first gig in five months, I think. Um, it was just a little private garden party. Um, yeah. Friends of my dad's said, you know, we just want a bit of afternoon live music. So, um, I was a bit rusty, but um, I've thought I've done better than I thought. As in remembering, because I had to play covers. So yeah, I haven't played. I don't sit at home kind of practice and covers so I had to uh, just go through them um, but they, they went alright they all come back to you it's weird it's like riding a bike how, with some songs how are your nerves because I, I did a couple of uh, gigs over the last couple of weeks and that first performance back after Covid obviously we've all been off for six months it's probably the longest time that I haven't sang are we in nerves for me I was terrified I, I, it just felt so unnatural it didn't feel right I feel like I was kind of living in a dream yeah, I wasn't too bad. Um, I don't get nervous about the performing. I get nervous about making sure the sound's right and making sure I'm warmed up properly. That's a big thing for me. I, if I know I'm warmed up properly, I don't worry about it. Yeah. Um, but obviously there were songs that I hadn't played for five months. So, <laughs> But the thing is, um, the mistakes you know you make, the audience, most of them don't know you've made a mistake. So yeah. you know what I mean? Absolutely. So it was a garden party. It was it, obviously it was a, it was a family kind of do. But we we were talking about putting people out into garden parties, and we we were we're a bit nervous about that. But I think once we we learn more on the first of October, I think it's going to make our lives a lot easier when we can work out what's happening socially and how we can sing live. But um, I think I'd be more nervous of people at the moment rather than the actual gig was that you like you sam were you more scared of the people or the actual gig well i've, I've only done three uh at grand central and they were all socially distant so again i think it was more than six seven eight feet away from any person that was sitting down uh, but on top of that you know there was a one-way system um and obviously the outdoor aspect as well so it was it was pretty it was good it was really good considering you know i've been in some places that you know don't <laughs> adhere to social distancing which is a real shame um but yeah i, I from an artist's point of view you've got to be happy although you've got to be happy in in these scenarios i mean especially for my circumstances being on the the um the high risk list uh, as a type 1 diabetic so it's 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 important for me uh, specifically to make sure that these measures are in place um, and it's got to be safe otherwise there's no point in doing it people are going to get sick people are going to catch this this virus and end up being in hospital and there's going to be a new spike uh, another spike so you know we've we've said it from day one from when we've done this podcast to make sure you know make sure that you're socially distanced uh, make sure that you're, you're doing the right things if you feel that it's sort of wrong what you're doing then it probably is so you know do the right thing <laughs> well, do you know what I mean? 
yeah <laughs> my career on the line folks come on um so yeah i i wanted to touch uh, a little bit on as well um scott you, you're in the the cavern aren't you um what what what, what are you doing there in the cavern well i started working there in 2013 on the bar just as a bar job when i finished uni and then um a few years went by i mean it's it's gotten busier every year and it's it's really really probably the busiest bar in the one of the busiest bars in the city and then after like three or so years you know i just said to the the guy who organizes the gigs is there any chance i can have a trial gig and kind of went from there i haven't got a regular gig but i play quite regularly like maybe once every two weeks or sometimes i can play a couple of times a week it just depends um but they have their own resident artists, so I'm not a resident, as in I can gig elsewhere. So, but I love playing the cavern. I mean, there's no other place like it. And you know, the atmosphere and the the crowds—they're all there to hear you. As in, you know, some bars you you just play into people who not who not really interested in live music. So, it's a good place to play. Definitely. And is it sorry, Chris? Is it a rule that you've got to sing all Beatles songs in the cavern? Is that is that the rule? <laughs> It's not a contracted rule, but it's it's like <laughs> the law, yeah. yeah. It's the folklore. If you don't do it, you're going to be, yeah, dealt with in a serious matter. Yeah, well, funnily, funnily enough, before I went there, I, was, I wasn't really into the Beatles. I'd obviously heard, you know, the singles, like yes. the mainstream hits. But then when you work there, you get, you come across all the kind of, you know, the B-sides and the album tracks. And I like them more than, you know, Hey Jude's and stuff yeah. like that. I like some of the album tracks so working there has been like a blessing really has it has it changed your opinion on the beatles as a process or of a singles band are you now a fan but just bear in mind scott please look in the background of chris's uh you know he's he's got a he's got a john lennon portrait there so please be careful what you say please say you like the beatles now go yeah they're not my favourite bands, but I know for a fact they are the best bands there's ever been and probably ever will be. But they're not, you know, I don't know them inside out, but, um, you know, I, I do love the Beatles, yeah. It, it's it's good that you, you said uh, John Mayer at the beginning. John Mayer is one of the most unbelievable yeah. around at the moment. And I don't think, um, I don't think he gets enough public viewing as he should do in this country when you go to see him i went to see him live um a couple of months ago and um he was just phenomenal again i've seen him a few times now but he does he, he's kind of got a cult following as he, he will sell out the, the stadiums but he's not as well known as some of the big bigger actors in this country but he is one of the most phenomenal guitarists i've ever seen yeah i mean i've seen him in Manchester mm. earlier, I think it was earlier this year. Yeah, um, yeah. But I, I've liked him since I was for about fifteen years. But as you say, he's not really mainstream over here. And yeah. but I like I like that because it doesn't get it doesn't ruin it. If you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I was blown away when I seen him. It was like I wanted to see him again the next day to kind of take it all in properly. Did um, you? Was this the Manchester gig just early in it? Did the the I forget his name, but the 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 guy opposite the stage of him, yeah, the he was just even just as good as John Mayer. I forget his name. He had the hat on. I think uh, it's um, Davey Ryan. I think he he calls him. Um, just so yeah, he's done a bit of vocal work as yeah. well. Yeah, ah, bouncing off each other, weren't they? The whole thing, and it, and it was just a brilliant, brilliant gig. Um, a couple of years ago, when I was at Glastonbury, I. I didn't want to. Get, I forget it was on the main stage, but I thought I'm not going to see them. I'll I'll go and wander on the Sunday. And um, have you come across uh, Gary uh, Gary Clark Union? He's Gary Clark. No. Union. But he he's the same kind of mould as John Mayer, but he's a bit more soulful. And literally, there was I'd say 150 people in the, in this tent, and. Apparently, the guy next to I was just talking to the guy next to me, and he said he sells out stadiums in America, this guy. And um, 
and there was literally 150 of us in this tent, and it was just a brilliant, brilliant gig. Very bluesy, like John Mayer. Um, so check him out, Gary Clark Jr. Uh, real good player. But John Mayer's got that big thumb, hasn't he? Over the top when he's playing. Yeah, and um, his main acoustic is um, it's a Martin, and a friend of mine in the cabin has one. Like a really, and. Um, I've played a bit, and the neck is dead thin, and he's got big hands. Uh, John Mayer's got big hands, so he must find that so easy to play. Because it's done because Martin necks. I don't know. Well, they're average, but like a Gibson neck is wide, isn't it? And a Fender neck is 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 quite thin. But certain Martin, but I've never played one of those Martins. But I can imagine. Oh, so man, it's it's dead light. The the body's dead thin, comfortable, and the neck's dead thin. It's <laughs> oh, <so nice. laughs> that's it. Well, you find what guitars you you like as you grow up. Because what when you you're 13, and we've all learned as kids, you know what I mean, to to play guitars. You you kind of get fixated on certain guitars. My, what is your favourite guitar? That's the question. Well, I'm I'm into acoustics. I'm not really into electrics. Um, my dream guitar is that John Mayer, but it's like the cheapest one is like two and a half grand. Um, and I, I like tachamines as well. I've got a, oh, yeah. I've had a few tachamines. They're really nice. But um, I've just recently got a Martin. Um, it's about twelve hundred pounds. It's it only came out last year. It's similar moulds to the John Mayer one, where it's thin body and thin neck. And I'm loving it at the moment. It looks like the John Mayer one. The size of it. It's 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 not a. It's it's a bit bigger than a parlor kind of thing. But it's 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 a nice looking guitar. Yeah, no, um, it's it's dead comfortable to play. It's nice. Because I haven't got very big hands, um, so I need a thin neck. I'm got a big thumb, <laughs> so I wanted a thin, comfortable neck to suit me smallish, smallish hands, and it's it's great so far. Like I was in in, um, in a guitar center in New York when I was in New York, and I went to the big guitar center there and I'd look around. They had like a humidified room, massive, big, thick doors. It was like as you open it, and um, there was just Martins everywhere, just, and it was a Martin on the wall, it was about 25 grand. Wow. And I, wow. I said to the guy, can I have a go? And he went, yeah, go right. So I was like, oh, wow. Picture, I'll, I'll, show, I'll send you pictures of me playing it, and I've picked up this, this guitar, it's about 25 grand. It's the worst guitar I've ever played. It was horrendous. <laughs> and, I, and I do like stuff in schools with the kids and I swear they got some of the kids guitars the little nylon strings played better than this and I said why is it? it was the wood it was like 1906 wood or something like that so that's why it was so expensive but it was shocking it was the worst guitar I've ever played in my life so I just put it back and <laughs> yeah yeah I mean I've played guitars that aren't over the grounds and they're better than ones that I've played that are like three yeah. four grand it's just bizarre how they work out obviously the woods but it's pop the feel and the sound in it it's and that's that's what it's all so when you were th 13 um you learnt on it on a, a, a nylon string a little acoustic was it or was it steel string yeah my mum and dad got me a, a classical nylon string um when I was about 12 for Christmas I think and then um I was just kind of hitting it, yeah, yeah, uh, not really playing anything. And then I got an acoustic from Costco for fifty pound. They still do them, I think. And then um, obviously got a bit better. And then I got tachamine, and then I got some lessons. So I grew up playing a little tachamine, really. And then once I got able to play, you know, yeah, yeah, to a good standard, I got a better tachamine and so on. Yeah. And did you start? When did you start writing songs? What, what was the age? Did you pen in stuff? And... Yeah, when I was like 15, I used to just write verses. I didn't, there was no really structure to them. It was just like notes of verses and um, stuff like that. But songwriting, you've got to structure the song really, haven't you? So it wasn't till um, I was about 20, I started to, you know, realise how to structure it, you know, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, whatever. Um, so then I just, you know, you get bad songs out of you and then you, you start getting good to writing them, so, yeah. That's what it's all about. You're going to play, play us one? 
Yeah, play... I'll play you one. Um, this is like a nice slow acoustic one. Um, wrote this a couple of years ago, but it's one of them people have said to me, you know, they really like this one, and it's it's not like a big radio friendly song. It's just like a nice acoustic one. And what's it um, called? Will be fine. It's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, there's a thrill of, of writing a song and playing it. But what comes first? Like, I mean, what's your process, uh, Scott? Is it more of a, you know, you, you were saying like you write these sort of poem paragra uh, paragraphs down. Is, is that does that come first, or is it more of a jingle on, on the guitar? What what comes first? When I was younger, it used to be I'd write verses and then I'd try and put guitar to it. But nowadays, it is you know I'll playing around with a few chords or a, a little riff or something and I'll just build it around that. Um, but there are times when, you know, I'm sitting on a train or something or it, a line will just come to me or a, a verse and then a, I'll just put words to it. So it works both ways for me. Um, but there's nothing better than creating your own song out of nothing. So I do love writing. I, I think I was always told when I was younger by sort of older all the songwriters always carry a notepad. Always carry a note. As a musician, always carry a pen and a notepad because you'll see something and get it down. And then that, that you don't know whether you'll, you'll use it, but it, then you've got a lyric of something you've seen. Because obviously, personal experience is vital for musicians to write with, I think. And experience. Um, so, it's something I think that just comes naturally for musicians. You write about your life experience. Yeah, I mean, you can do. Um, as 
you know what my notes app in my phone you know that's full of verses yeah. um different verses different lines and some songs some songs i've literally finished on writing it on my phone um wow well i do like having a notepad because you know your phone goes off after 30 seconds if you're sitting there thinking and you've got to unlock it and all that sort of stuff and, but, um, and when you make your millions you see you can't sell your phone you've got to sell your notepad that's it yeah exactly yeah <laughs> exactly can't frame your phone so <laughs> well that's that's where it's all like handwritten lyrics i think are great because you can see the workings of them i've always been a uh, if i'm writing songs handwrite everything because you can see that the development i sometimes i don't know what sam's was saying i'll start a song and then i'll put it down and then six months later i'll pick it up and then i'll finish it if you know what i mean i don't sometimes start a song finish it i, I kind of dribs and drabs and you lose a lot of things in there because you forget how they go but then i like looking at the fresh eyes what what about you yeah i'm the same you know i've got loads of little videos in my phone of just um, you know, like a melody, and yeah. if I can't think of the, any words for it, I'll just save the melody and then I'll come back to it. Um, so I'll, I'll go through them on my phone, just um, chord progressions or riffs or something, and then some days I'll be able to write words to it, and then it, it forms a song. I mean, um, a song I put out a few weeks ago called Hard to Say Goodbye. I was in the cabin dressing room, ready to gig, and I, I was just kind of warming up, but I came the little melody. I came up with that there, but I didn't have time to write words, and then I came back to it and ended up writing words to it, and now it's a full song. So it's good. It's I think it's a great feeling though when you write a song and you, you do a bit of a demo. I always do a little bit of a demo or something, and then you show someone the demo and they love it and they think that's great. But when you actually record it. And then you, you start messing with it in the studio and it becomes a real good song. Then you show the person the same. It's it's a great feeling, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I haven't, I've got the math I've got quite old, so I, I, it won't let me install Logic. So I can't, the only demos I can do are kind of just on my phone, like recorded clips. But yeah. I've heard Jake Book does that and John Mayer's done it a few oh, times. Yeah. It's just a quick, simple way. But then I'll take it. The guy who, who produces my songs, I've known him for about five years. He's produced all of them. Um, so I'll just send him the demo or the clip, and then we'll just kind of get together, record it, and um, he's really good on, you know, producing. I'm not that great on that stuff, um, but we work really well together. So we've got a good chemistry. That's the difference, because because may you may not be the producer, but you've got in your head what you want it to sound like, and it's just getting someone to get it to sound like what you're thinking i think that's the most difficult thing with working with producers yeah i mean i'm very um i want to write all the words so mm. i'll kind of say to him you know if you want to throw some strings or like a whatever on it do it and we'll see if it works so i'm i'm really open to the creativity of it after i've you know got the words down and the mel the basic melody and then i kind of leave it up to him and he He's really, really good. Yeah, because I was listening to It's Gonna Be Alright. Um, and that in, that opening five seconds is is it's just brilliant. And it's kind of different to your other things, if you know what I mean. It sounds like your music's pro progressed just yeah. off that opening five, ten seconds. Yeah, well, that song I, I wrote on acoustic and... Um, I took it to him and it, it didn't really work on acoustic, so to speak. I mean, it, it does sound fine on acoustic, but he done all that, the dancey beat and the uh, the intro that you like. I mean, he was working on it and then I heard it myself and I looked up and was like, that's great, that sounds great. So we kept it in and then he made it into a really, you know, radio-friendly song. So it's all that to him. It's completely different, though, because you're very acoustic-based, as we know, and, and people need to hear EP, which we'll, we'll talk about in a minute. But um, that's just a completely different sound, and I think it works really well. I think it's great. Yeah, I mean, I'm, all, I'm open to trying to have different styles. I mean, if you have the same style, it can get a bit yeah, yeah. boring, but a bit, you know, I want to spread my wings, so to speak, with 
you know, trying new sounds and stuff like that. So it it, it did work on that song, yeah, definitely. And and you'll see, and Sam knows this because we, we talk with artists a lot, but when people are releasing albums and EPs and stuff, and they change the style, and mm. people don't like the style, but as an artist, I would go with what you think is is the right way. Yeah, I mean, obviously, artists want to experiment, and sometimes it can it can't work. <laughs> but it can work to them, but it can't work to the fans. You know, yeah, listening to the radio. But you know, I'm not massive at the moment or nothing. So I'm, I've got creativity. I can do what I want, really. And um, some people will like most of the songs. Some people might not like a certain song. But you know, I'm not tied down to a label or you know any of that pressure. So at the moment, I'm, I'm open to trying new new styles. Sam, when you write songs, you've been doing a bit of songwriting recently, haven't you, Sam? Yeah. Do you do the do you do the melody first, or do you do the lyrics? It's a tune for me. A melody will come first. I mean, like with the choir, we've been uh, writing some original stuff, uh, hopefully to send off to some uh, record labels in the future. But uh, yeah, the, the the main one would be a little tune that I was singing in the shower, and it was uh, what if I did it like a, an O or a Wo, and then. It developed into this full, fully fledged three and a half pop song, cheesy pop song. So I was thinking, you know, I bought, I, like you said, Chris, I, I recorded it on my phone, had another five or six ideas that I recorded and had to play on uh, both the piano and the guitar. And then it didn't come back for another, I think it was a month, month or two. And like I said, fresh eyes, it really does. It does work. It, it does work. It's 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 amazing. So yeah, it's for me. It's more um, it's more about the the um, the melody, the melody that comes first, and then the words come come after. I mean, O's and woes are probably my my limit. <laughs> um, I've got mates who write who write the chorus first. Does he write the chorus and then that's it? The chorus because the hook you got the hook, but then the back. I couldn't do that. I'd have to I have to start with an intro. And get an idea for the melody for the, the chorus, but I can't write a chorus and then go back. No chance. It's impossible. That's everyone's that style's different. Have you started any of your songs with a chorus, Scott? Um, I don't know no, if I've ever tried it. No, not at the moment. I mean, I kind of agreed when you produced that some songs kind of need the chorus to kick in within the first thirty seconds. That's it's going to be alright. You know, it's just a short little verse and then into the chorus. Mm. But um, I know what you mean. You know, you want to write a catchy chorus or a hook. Um, but, you know, don't, I don't force myself into trying to write one. It, it just comes. If, if it comes, it's there. If it's not, then it's not. It's not a problem. What's the... Because uh, you, you've you've released two EPs so far in your, in your career. What, what was it like the first time you got on stage with your first EP, your first show... To, to promote the EP. What what was it like to get the response back from the crowd when you were playing the, the EP live? It's great, you know, it's because it's your own song, it's something that you've created. Yeah. You know, to, for people to say, oh, that that was good, you know, you, were, you sounded great, I like that song, what's that song called, you know, how did you write that, stuff like that, that's yeah. what you want. Because um, you don't get that with covers. I, I like playing covers, but there's no kind of mystery about it. Um, so obviously I'm nervous playing. I'm not. I'm nervous playing my own songs, but I'm not at the same time because I can do what I want with them because they're mine. Yeah. You know. Um, you can get away with it. If I want to, yeah. If you want to sing it in a certain key or a certain tempo, then you can because it's your song. Um, do you do it with a bit of band when you do your EP, or do you do it just as you as a solo? Just as me at the moment, but I'm looking at the songs I'm recording now he's my producer's kind of putting drums and you know full yeah. band sounds on it so once um gigs kick in i'm thinking next year now uh, for a, trying to book another tour so i might get a band in yeah for certain gigs yeah that'd be good because it, it's I, I although yeah the style you've got is is very acoustic based i think the new stuff what people need to listen to we'll we'll you can tell them later it, it's it's different, isn't it? EP one, EP two. You can see your music has, has progressed, um, and I think a band would be quite good to, to see you play with a band. 
Yeah, it's something I've to get used to because I've never, I've obviously played with other people on stage, but my own bands with playing my own songs, I've not had that before. Um, Exciting. But yeah, I mean, it, it probably sounds amazing. So I'm looking into that. But yeah, the first DP and the second DP are quite different. Just because it's the first one's a bit more raw. Um, and the producer I was working with, who I've mentioned, he was kind of learning as he was going a bit as well, like yeah. I was. So we kind of made it together. And then the second one, we were a lot more like straightforward and knew what we were doing. So it's a really good relationship we've got. Did you have the tracks for the new EP? Were you, were you, did you have them overspill from the last EP or were they completely new new ideas? No, they were completely new. Um, okay. I kind of... Um, you know, I, I know Noel Gallagher said he had the first three Oasis albums written before he'd even recorded them. I so, reckon he did. I reckon. <laughs> well, whether he did or not, it's up to you. But I think that's a good idea because, you know, you're under no pressure when you're not signed and stuff like that. So yeah. I've got loads of songs written that I haven't recorded yet, but they could. I could do another two EPs, but I want to do a uh, full album for next year, I think. As as lockdown helped you to write? Yeah, I've been writing a lot. Um, I've wrote about fifteen songs in five months, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it is. I'm not the type. Yeah. I'm not the type of person to write a, a, one song every day. I'm, I'm just I write when I feel like I'm right, when I feel in the mood for it, and when when it's flowing. So, um, and I've start I've recorded three, um, and. The second one's about to be released, yeah. So it's it's looking good. And I think that's the beauty of of writing original music. You can see as you're playing it what the crowd react to. So the certain songs that you'll you'll play, like when Sam and I are playing, we play in the covers band up all night, and we know the certain covers or the certain songs that the crowd go mental for, uh, and and we change the set as we see the change don't we Sam yeah I mean unless it's... I, I think that's that's for everyone you you must you've got to go into every venue or party or event uh, with kind of like an open an open book and, and, and look at the audience and say oh I'm going to minute these are what mid 30s early 20s so they're going to want current stuff and vice versa if they're older so it depends when we walk in we'll say oh we'll take this one out like the, the towards the end of our second set we usually have like Mr. Brightside and we have Oasis as well and um, they're for like more of the younger crowds but then we might switch it up and have the likes of uh, Sweet Caroline and which has yeah. got the greatest bass solo you've ever seen in your life Scott <laughs> which, yeah, yeah. which Chris can't play <laughs> but yeah, and we're going to go back because we've, we've touched on this over the last few weeks every time there's a gig every gig a, a, that exact point, something happens mental that you can't write at that specific time. Oh, that's that's it's what. It's just I, so funny because people are say, people are probably thinking, oh yeah, yeah, whatever. I, he's telling the truth. Like there was a wedding, and once it happened once, it just oh, keeps happening and happening and happening. This poor little girl. Well, I was always say poor little girl. She was made. Poor little me. Poor little Chris. This inflatable guitar that the uh, guests all had, micro inflatable microphones, guitars, big massive sunglasses, uh, sombreros, everything, everything. Um, and Chris is trying to, near the end of the set, so it's like keeping them up there, making sure that they're, you know, they're having a great time. And they were, to be fair. But this little girl, and I think it was like her grand, um, grandma, literally just threw this inflatable guitar at Chris while he's playing. The, the solo for Sweet Caroline, and I'm not even joking, like, you lost it, mate. I'm sorry, but you really did. <laughs> what Have you had any moments like that, Scott, uh, where you've just uh, you've just lost the words or lost uh, the will to live on stage? You, you know, what, what's been the worst? Yeah, um, it's always Christmas, right? The gigs at Christmas when all these people are out for the first time in the year. You know, office parties, and they're like dancing right in front of you, and you knock your mic stand, oh. mic hits you in the tooth or the face, 
And it's just, oh, it's just like, that's I feel like stopping. You just got to carry on, haven't you? Uh, I know the front tooth through that. Yeah, oh. a, mate, a mate man said he, he's lost one of his tooth because <laughs> of that same thing. Oh. <laughs> I need to be careful, don't I? Well, it can happen. Any, anything can happen. And look at the cabin last year. When was it? Jay was playing and someone whipped him up. No way. Yeah, Jay Murray, yeah. That was him. Um, I was working the bar, right? And I finished the quarter to two. And that happens about ten past two. So I, I, I'd gone home. <laughs> and it just blew up worldwide. Like, it went mental. Yeah, they, I think they tried to get him for, like, assault and that. Because he could have really hurt himself, like, on his guitar. But the thing is, as well, it's all, it's all right for someone to think it's a funny to pull someone. We're all self-employed. Virtually, with, with, with as musicians, and and that could have done some serious damage. But that's the risk you take sometimes. Either getting whipped up, or a seven-year-old kid getting clung at you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know which one you'd like, Chris. Anyway, I digress. Uh, guys, make sure as well that you do follow uh, all our social medias, as I said before. But we've also got our fantastic website as well. So have a look at this fantastic website that we've got. All these great different genres that you can uh, go on the website and actually book straight with us uh, either through Instagram or you can phone us uh, 0770-330-239 you'll get through to either Chris or myself uh, but just look at this we can go on solo singers and it takes you right through to all of their profiles so like so Richard Stanton from The Voice uh, South Africa Holly Ellison who's on The Voice UK Meg Ryan there's a familiar face myself Liam Akko everyone's there so please make sure that you go and look at these fantastic uh, acts as well as our duos our tributes everything there and as well mr scott beckett you are on there as well so if you're interested in in wanting scott to be at your party event venue give us a call and we'll happily sort you out and we'll pass on our information to scott um you're a big red scott i believe you're a big red you're into your football yeah, I am indeed, yeah. And obviously, Anfield, uh, we're all reds here. I, I love Anfield, it's just great. New season coming ahead. What, how, obviously, a little bit of disappointment over uh, the Community Shield, but who's bothered? It's friendly, it's a glorified friendly. Uh, but how do you think Liverpool are going to do? Can we defend the title? I think it'll be tighter this year. I think we need to um, strengthen because... You know, we, I think we need a, a four-choice centre-half. I think we need someone who can play across the front three because you can't ask the, the front three now to yeah. play 38 games. And um, I don't think Carigi's... I think he's all right, but he's, he's not good enough for a whole season, is he? Um, and he's obviously going to sell... He wants to sell Shakiri apparently. I like Shakiri, but we need someone in attack who can... Fight we, need, the place. we need a play, playmaker. That's what we need. We need someone in the middle who's going to thread the ball. I think Sam's available. You're available, Sam. You you might fit the uh, job. Like uh, <laughs> someone out. Maybe playmaker. Play would you take Coutinho back, Chris? Yes or no? No. no. Scott. Yes, but not for a big fee. Maybe on loan. I wouldn't pay anything for him. What about Messi? He's available. <laughs> have you got seven? Have oh. you got seven hundred million? I don't think Liverpool, I don't think City have got seven hundred million. Thirty-three-year-old, seven-old, seven hundred million for a thirty-three-year-old. It's crazy. His wages are just as bad. Seven billion wages. He's on a week. Yeah. Might as well be that. But people are saying about share sales and stuff like that. It just, it just, it won't equate to you know. It's like a million a week. It's ridiculous, ridiculous money. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of, of Liverpool, you've had your your tracks uh, played at Anfield and on match day, haven't you? Um, the guy who does the announcing, George Sefton, he's been there for like fifty yeah. odd years, sixty years. Um, my dad's been going the match for about forty years, and he knows someone who knows George Sefton, so. He passed on my single and George was like, I'll have a listen and if it suits, you know, pre-match, I'll play it. And he played my first song, Take Me Home, and then he played It's Gonna Be Alright uh, last season. So it's great, yeah. That's good. And what's it like? Were you like, were you there in the stadium when it was played? 
yeah. Oh, what's that like? It's mad. You're just looking around to see if people are listening and uh, <laughs> see if they're taking notes. Some of them are just eating pies and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, it, it's great to just sit there and think that I wrote that. So it's a nice feeling, yeah. Mad, isn't it? Isn't it? It must be a mad feeling that because the sound, we know what the speaker system's like in Anfield. It, it kind of echoes, doesn't it? It's not like a, a stereo, it's a big echoey sound. It must be crazy to hear it through that kind of speaker as well. Yeah, to be fair to him, he, he plays a lot of local music. He plays Mark yes. Kenny a lot. Mm. I'm sure you know Mark Kenny. Um, and, you know, at our time, it's always like, this is a local band or this is a local musician. And that's, I think that's really good. That's what's needed, isn't it? Keep, 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 especially yeah, to promote local local talent. And that's what's the most important thing. And that's what Sam and I always try to push as well. Keep pushing local talent. We were actually saying that today. Keep everything... In, in Liverpool at the moment with, with what's going on and we said that at some of the meetings we had with some of the hotels today we said keep everything keep everything back in Liverpool keep, keep the funds going in Liverpool but that's that's what will happen I think we'll open up um, and hopefully we can we can come and see your EP live that's what we're looking to yeah I had um, a little tour booked for June I was playing like I was playing, I had a gig in Par Street booked, and then I had a gig in Essex, Manchester, Leeds, Sheffield. Oh. Just like a, an eight-date eight, eight date little tour, and all of it obviously couldn't happen. So I'm looking to try and get that back on for next year, yeah. early next year. And you, you're going to be promoting the Ferris Wheel EP, is it? Yeah, I'll play a few songs. I think by the time I get out on tour, I'll have new stuff as well, so I can kind of mix it up and uh, just throw everything in fab brilliant and obviously and you've got any uh, social medias that you can uh, tell the folks to go and follow uh, on Facebook and Instagram yeah on um, Facebook Scott Beckett Music that's my music page um, I've got a personal page but I don't use it so just stick to my music page and Instagram Scott Beckett with the underscore at the end fab and we're gonna hear the new track by you Days Will Get Better now, yeah, this... I wrote this. Um, wrote this about six weeks ago and recorded it about three weeks ago. So it was kind of a quick thing, and um, I got it back the other day. And it's a really good song, so I'm gonna put it out. Just I like putting stuff out to you know stay in the window type thing. What date is it released? Twenty fifth of September, which is Friday. Sound and I'm quite excited. Is this the world premiere of this track? Yeah, other than sitting in the living room playing it. Oh, nice. This is the okay. uh, live premiere of it. And the track, the title of the track is fantastic because I, the days will get better. Keep going, everyone. You said over you said it's gone the blood has taken the water's run and I can't let it go that 
songs about personal experience not a lot anyway kind of if i hear a story or see something i kind of write about that um but there was a bit of you know lockdown in that one a bit of you know days will get better no matter um what's going on or how you're feeling so it's kind of a mixture of things yeah brilliant well i think that uh, that calls for the end that was fantastic well done scott thank you so much Thank you for taking the time to come on and speak to us this evening. Uh, as always, we'll be back next week with another guest. Uh, uh, Wednesdays at half past seven. Chris, we're going to LA. We're going to LA! Yeah! <laughs> so make sure that you tune in uh, our Wednesday, uh, 7.30 British time. Not British. American time. British time. Uh, and we'll, we'll... Say that again, Chris your passport ready get your passports ready because we're flying <laughs> off to the west coast uh so we'll see you next week wednesday half past seven with our guest from the la uh thank you so much again uh mr scott becker please follow his instagrams and facebook uh, and we'll see you next week for another edition of the sea live podcast see you later